0: thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study.
1: Why don't you turn with me to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians, as we had just gotten started in our last study, as Paul is a little bit uncomfortable writing to the Corinthian church the first time. You remember, he's a little bit unsure about their response. And as he has written this this first letter that we had gone through, not knowing exactly how they had taken some of the things that he had told them and he felt were necessary to tell him, uh, he's a little bit unsure of things. He's a little bit unsure of the relationship. Mind you, he'd spent like a year and a half there in Corinth, the first visit through. So that first time through, spending a year and a half, he had uh, definitely taught them and uh, ministered to them. and uh, They were certainly familiar. They lacked no spiritual gift. That, As a matter of fact, Paul commended them for their spiritual gifts and the operation of the gifts, but he also challenged them to be wise about the use of the gifts and how that they were to be handled, and And then also challenged them in many other areas as we had gone through and learned about. We'll find out a little more clearly as we get into uh, the next chapter, uh, not, not today, but uh, soon. We'll find out that you know, Paul is really glad and very thankful that they had gotten the first letter, that they received the first letter. Titus has finally come back to greet him and to meet up with uh, Paul again, and so he's really thankful. So now he's really pouring out his heart to them. Uh, No doubt still feels challenged about the apostleship. Uh, There's those who are challenging him as Far as in the group, not necessarily uh, the tight group of, of Corinth, but people within the group in Corinth are kind of challenging, saying, well, you know, Paul's a great guy and everything, but you know, he said he would come and he didn't come, and all kinds of things they were saying, kind of undermining, you know, Paul's apostleship, his authority as a, a, a pastor, as a leader. So he clearly started off with Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So he's very clear that his apostleship, his calling, his anointing, his leadership was all done because of God's work in his life. It was the will of God. He's obviously writing to the church there in Corinth and all of those who are in Achaia in that area, that region. We talked about the grace and peace the significance of of knowing we need peace We need peace and we need to know God's grace before we experience his peace. And that's so, so important. And I know it's redundant. And I I do know that that for us as believers. And sometimes we know it up here about grace. And and we want to be gracious and we know about that. But man, receive it. It's so important to receive God's grace for you. Unmerited love and favor. And it has a way of quieting your heart. Bringing peace into your life. Apart from that, apart from knowing God's grace, you don't really experience God's peace. And so significant to the believer. You know, Paul talked about grace so much. He talked about he's the apostle of grace. You know, you look at John and you think, you'd think John, because John talks so much about God's love and all these things. He kind of is more descript about what grace is, really, in a certain way, in, in just his relationship with the Lord. John talked so much about love and how God's love and his goodness and all, but that he doesn't really mention, I think it's just a handful of times in all of his writings, the grace of God. Yet Paul repetitively uses the word grace, unmerited love and favor. This is the beauty of the balance that we get when we have so many different authors, the Holy Spirit moving. And you realize for us, for you and I as believers, God is working through your life, through my life, And he's wanting to write, really, not only on the tablets of our hearts, but your life is a story being read by others around us. And as people are watching in on your life, as that God's kind of writing out, and you're living out your life before others, it is descriptive of what relationship you have, how important that we know God's grace. Sometimes we can talk about that with other people. But to know that inside our hearts... That God has been... It's not legalism. It's not a legalistic relationship that we have with God. A set of rules of do's and don'ts. And or the code that you develop in your own mind. Because when you go through Romans, you find that Paul uses different words to describe the law. One, he uses the word for like the Mosaic law. And the implication is specifically the, the commandments given to Moses. But then other times he talks about the code that we can establish in our own minds of do's and don'ts. But your relationship with God, if it was hinged upon that, one day's good, the next day's real bad. Bad, 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 bad. If you're someone like me, you have a string of really, really horrible things that are going on for you in your walk with God, and then all of a sudden it's good again. If it's hinged on you, thank God you see truly it's not hinged upon you. It's hinged upon his faithfulness and his grace and his mercy that is showered upon you each and every day. The key is, is do you receive it each and every day? In the newness of life, not legalism, but grace. And I'm not talking about cheap grace or sloppy agape stuff. I'm talking about honestly, really being open and just saying, man, I am thankful that God has been gracious to me. I know who I am apart from God, and I know who God is in my life, and he's been very good to me, and I'm grateful to him. I, I, I know his grace. It's important, I think, sometimes I heard it once said, it's the idea. It's not, well, if you need to, I guess it's fine. But in your back pocket, again, it's just a concept, but that you note a fresh experience of God's grace in your life. Or something could have gone a different way, but God was very gracious, intervene. And remember that. Keep that tucked away. Because so often, things occur in our lives. And when we're interacting with other people, you see, if you're functioning and know God's grace, you're going to experience that and dispense that to others. You're going to be very gracious with other people. When we become legalistic unfortunately leads to kind of a pharisaical. I guess you'd have to look that up to be sure if that's a word or not, but you know me. Uh, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the nod, like that's probably a word. Um, but the idea of being kind of, you can fall, into, fall prey to being kind of like the Pharisees and the scribes who, who were real detailed and they were quick to point out all the faults and everyone else, but they were missing the most important things. As a matter of fact, remember Jesus, the epitome of God's grace and mercy, standing in front of them. They didn't recognize it, physically standing right in front of them, the Son of God, and they didn't recognize him. God help us. God help the church, universal. You know that we would really that proclaim or say that they are believers as Christian. Help God help the Christian church, that we would really know. God's grace and his mercy and his goodness. I think Paul aptly and importantly states it regularly. He goes on and he starts talking in verses 3 through 7 about the sufferings that occur in the believer's life. And we we kind of went through that. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily detailed, but we went through it fairly thoroughly in our last study that there is suffering that happens in the believer's life. It was interesting, on Wednesday evening, we talked about David and Saul, and we talked about the suffering that David went, went through at the hand of Saul. And it was interesting to see that David saw Saul as an anointed instrument of God, even though it created great conflict and hassle to David's life. He received this from the Lord, knowing that, hey, God's building character, developing him, David, and preparing him ultimately to be king. So, instrument anointed by God that brings about suffering, sometimes to us we try and repel all of that instead of receive. That from the Lord, whatever God has for us. Whenever there's suffering, a lot of times we try and push it away. We do everything we can to insulate ourselves from it, but it's the very thing that God will use to develop your life. And I, I do like a couple of things. One, that he's the God of all comfort, and that he comforts us in all of our troubled times or tri- tribulation. Basically, this word tribulation means pressure or crushing. Interesting. Interesting the things that are bringing pressure in your life or seemingly could could just impact us to the point of maybe just crushing us. And Paul talks about many experiences as we go through this. I believe uh, chapter 11, we get into uh, in 2 Corinthians, there's a lot of, there's a listed detail there of things that happened to him. You know, shipwrecked a few times, uh, hanging on to a piece of wood, bobbing around in the deep. And you know, all of these things that occurred to him where he is beat up, left for dead, you know, over and over again, the circumstances that he faced. But he says, Man, I was comforted in every one of those circumstances. And I like this. In the middle of verse four, it says, That we may be able to comfort those who are in exactly the same kind of problem you had. Is that what your Bible says? That's not what it says, is it? It says, Any, any trouble. Any circumstance, So, because a lot of times people say, well, I'm not really sure that I, I can talk to you about that because I didn't go through exactly what you went through. No, if you've experienced the comfort of God from the, from the Spirit, God moving in your life, going through a difficult time, the suffering that you may experience, but then you experience the comfort that God brings, you too can say, hey, that comfort's available for you. Whatever the situation is, this is what's so great about the gospel itself is that whatever circumstance led you into a personal relationship with the Lord, sometimes there's very crushing pressure times that can happen that can lead you into a new life with Jesus Christ where you come to know the Lord. Sometimes it's very difficult circumstances that lead to that, to conversion. But those things that lead to that are the same things that are leading a friend or a family member potentially. Don't interfere with that, just let them know where the comfort can come from. That's so important. Let them know where the comfort can come from. Again, we spent some time on this in our recent study. There's hope, he says in verse seven. And I like this in the middle part of verse seven, it says, and our hope for you is steadfast. And right here he says, because we know. Because we know, he says, we know that you're partakers of suffering and that means you're also going to be partakers of comfort, consolation. So the difficulty is is real. I think there's a mistake made by many when we share the gospel that it's going to make life, you know, certainly it makes it better. It, It leaves us with a hope, but it doesn't necessarily Fix every problem. It gives us hope and direction in the midst of our problems and our difficult times. But boy, to tell people that, oh yeah, give your life to the Lord and then everything's just going to be great. And, you know, I find that a lot of times people give their life to the Lord and the challenge really comes in. It becomes difficult sometimes. It becomes hard sometimes as we start to follow the Lord. The challenges that we face are, are more difficult and we're really trying to sort things out and work through things. It's not as easy as it may be, have been reported. And someone who reports it, it's going to be super easy. It's kind of deceptive because we've misled someone. It's better to be honest with people. Hey, now you've got hope and you've got help in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your difficulty. It's not that you won't have difficulty. It's that you've got hope and help in the midst of it. That's what's really important. That's what we've all found as Christians. And that's what we what Paul really is reporting here. Let's move on now. Verse 8, for we do not want you to be ignorant. I always love to note all those that Paul writes. We don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be unaware of this, because man, when he says that, that means he doesn't want you to be unaware of something. And I believe God's Spirit has chosen to leave that kind of thing in there for a very important reason, so that we're not ignorant. We're not (laughs) unaware. We're not uninformed about what God would have us to know in a situation. We don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, there are a few things. Paul in Asia faced a couple of different problems, (laughs) several. Uh, potential uh, dismemberment by lions. That was one of the things that uh, affected him potentially. I believe there's several things that it could, it could be, but I likely think, I, I just I personally likely think that Acts 19, verse 21 through 41, those 20 verses in there or so, really give you the idea of what probably was going on. And that was the, the situation that happened there with the coppersmith there where the whole city went out into a riot and there became the huge conflict, a huge conflict, an enormous conflict between the goddess Diana of the Ephesians. They were, man, they, that was their identity. They were the, that was, that was on their, hulls of their ships on the front of them. Man, they had the, 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 the goddess Diana they, they had all, little necklaces made with the goddess Diana. They had things like this, just that, that they, little trinkets and stuff that they made. And they made a lot of, this coppersmith made a lot of money off of selling these little things. Now, Paul comes into town. People start getting saved. No more interested in the trinkets. You know, this is an example for us when you read that chapter there. Chapter 19, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after of Acts you can really learn something about society and how society's really transformed. I like the word transformed better than reformed. The transformation that takes place happens from inside. And you can read about this throughout the Welsh Revival, throughout all the UK during that time period, and throughout history of the church and in Acts 2,000 years ago. And from then on, subsequently, you find the same pattern to be true. If you and I want to see our world, our society, our place changed, if we really want to see change happen, one, it's got to happen inside of us first. First off, absolutely. We have to know the transforming power, the changing power of God in our lives. Paul brought that information with them. I once was and now am. That's the way Paul presented the gospel. I once was, but now am. A a complete different person than what he once was. A change of life, a change of heart. Repentance. Turning not only away from. Repentance is an interesting word. We just use, yeah, you got to repent of that. So you just turn away from it. And just don't do that anymore. Yes and no. It's, it is that simple, but it's a little bit more. There's a, just a one more piece to that. Turn away from and go toward. So, not only are you turning away from something, but you're moving toward another direction. So, I've turned away from that and I'm going this way now. I, I, it's a complete change of life, a change of, of thought, a change of actions. My my heart, my life is impacted. We want to see our world change around us. Do you realize they didn't go picket pubs in the Welsh Revival? It was published regularly in the newspaper. Salvation, 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 salvation. Great revival broke loose during the Welsh Revival. Radical, radical things took place. But they never went and picketed a pub. They didn't drag the hookers up the front and say, oh, she was a hooker, you know, what are we gonna do with her, you know? They didn't do anything like that. The idea is that God was changing people's lives through salvation. The newness of life literally being what we read about in the New Testament as being born again. I know a lot of times Our society grows weary of Christians using the term born again. But it's a biblical term. It's a term that Jesus used. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Not if Jesus used the term. I'm okay with it. Because that's truly what happened. A spiritual rebirth, born again to the newness of life. A changed life, a repentant life where they turned away from something, sin, life of sin and move toward God. Do you know what happened during the Welsh Revival? People just stopped going to the pubs. And the pubs just eventually locked up their doors because there was no business. I'm all for... uh, you know, awareness of what's happening around us. I'm all for being clear about, you know, hey, that's this is this is not biblical or this is unhealthy. But man, I still believe it's a matter of the heart. And this is what Paul is so clearly talking about every time he gets to these things. You want to see something radically change. This was the big issue that happened in Acts 19. Was the whole issue that took place was because the coppersmith was all upset because he wasn't making as much of this, much money. And man, it hurt him. And he was upset about it. And he got the whole city all riled up. They restrained Paul from going into the open theater, there that, well, like a, a small coliseum environment. They restrained him from going into that. He, he wasn't scared of any of it. Man, he was ready to go down and throw down with them about it. He wanted to get right in the mix of it. You see, what I find that's interesting is our world today has pushed us into a corner as Christians, kind of getting us to this spot where, hey, you know, just, just, just don't, it's okay for you. Just don't talk too much about other people. You know, people get offended. You know why? Because the gospel is offensive. To those who are perishing, it is offensive. It cuts at the flesh and the things that appeal to the flesh. It is an offensive thing. But it's also the hope. It's also where we find life. It's the good news. Double-edged sword. The trouble that came to them. I love the way he describes the trouble that happened to them. So we kind of get this idea... He talks about suffering, and then he kind of clarifies a few things in his suffering in a specific situation there that we were burdened beyond measure. That word burden there is like out of joint. It just completely threw them off. And above strength, that this was past their ability to deal with themselves. So it was outside of their capacity to to handle it. They were burdened completely out of joint by the situation, out of sorts, however you want to see it. They were just beyond measure and above strength, past their ability so that we despaired even of life. This is basically this above strength past uh, anything that they had ever experienced or had ability to deal with. You know, isn't it funny, though? We, we really try and do everything we can to not experience that. You know, I understand. But it's the very thing that God will use to continue to change your life, to shape and mold you. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today and I know that some of you may have a tug on your heart that the Lord's just kind of speaking to you personally and that you'd like to give your life to Jesus or maybe like to give your life back to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires to have fellowship, personal relationship with us. And so he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. He loves us. He doesn't force entrance into our lives, but he wants you to open the door and invite him in. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer of faith. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're out on a walk with the earbuds in, whatever it might be, but this is your opportunity to give your life and get back to Jesus or give it to Jesus that you might have everlasting life. He wants to spend all eternity with you and he wants you to have life abundant. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me, Jesus, I wanna invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I wanna ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin. And I pray, Lord, that you would Just take my sin and my old life and just give me a new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life that I have in you now. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life and fill me to overflowing, that I might accomplish your purpose, Lord, that your will would be done now in and through my life. I give my life to you. I thank you for the new life I have, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.